0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.
1: Well, we move from beauty to the beast, don't we, Paul Williams? Thank good you morning, very much, Patrick. You're very
0: kind this morning.
1: Um, you and I've been talking a lot uh, about the monk and so on, but uh, another old nemesis in the news today. Uh, John Gilligan
0: before I say that I want to congratulate you on your 10 years old boy And you're saying about how well Andrea is looking after all these years You're looking that well because I think you escaped the lunatic asylum when you did so just (laughs) take that on the chin (laughs) We're talking about who now John Gilligan my old friend. Yes. Yes. What do you want to know about him? I
1: I want to know what your reaction is to all the airtime and uh, Oxygen of publicity he's getting on foot of a, a book and a documentary
0: as a journalist I would never ever say that it's a wrong thing to give somebody their voice I think everybody has a right to a voice Um, Would I believe a word out of John Gilligan's mouth? Absolutely not. I can predict before the programme is ever aired, one thing I can say, uh, without fear of contradiction, is that he's going to be lying through his teeth. He will try and rationalise his behaviour through the years. Let me use that old term that I've always gotten in trouble for using uh, through the years, and I've used it many times, not on you, but about other people. The only way you can describe John Gilligan is that he is an absolute and total and utter scumbag. He always was, he always will be. And I know he says in some of the PR stuff that he's going to probably go to hell. I pray and hope that he rots in hell. That's my view on him.
1: Yeah. Um, He denies all sorts of things. He denied he never hit uh, Veronica and He's always denied publicly that he uh, wasn't the man who ordered uh, the hit on Veronica Gearn. He's pointing the finger in Mm. other places, but... um, I wasn't asked to be involved in that programme because I was very
0: close up and personal with John Gideon over several times through the years and I could give them a perspective on him that clearly they didn't want. Um, So, you know, he, he will say all these things. They always do. Like Jerry Hutch, we talked about, you mentioned The Monk. I have actually got a bit of a, a large degree of regard for the monk compared to other people. He's the least worst of all the criminals. But I would say about him is that he still whinges and moans like his clan and his people around us still blame me for debts around his gang. They blame, they, they always have a grievance. It has nothing to do with the fact that they walk into places and shove sawn off shotguns into people's mouths and terrorize them. And by the way, John Gilligan was the harbinger of what came. He's the harbinger of what we have today. He was the guy who moved the criminal justice system in a certain way, exploited people, walked up to people, shoved guns down their throats to prevent them going in front of juries. He was the reason, one of the reasons why, well, clearly the reason why our colleague Veronica Guerin was murdered. He was the guy who told and showed the state that he was not afraid of them. He is, as I said, that
1: term, scumbag with capital letters. Now, um, (sighs) that's off my chest. (laughs) One of the things that uh, exercises you at the moment is the question of whether or not the capital is safe. Um, You know, we've had the minister, Helen McEntee, walking around the city assuring herself and others uh, who are with her, who included a lot of uniformed Gardaí that indeed uh, the city is safe. Uh, What do you say? Because sometimes people, you know they see a young fellow in a hoodie and mm. they think he's a bad guy he's just a young fellow in a hoodie and then on, on another occasion a guy in a hoodie is an up close and personal danger well the experience of dealing with the criminal justice system
0: ministers for justice and police commissioners in this country has been one of first of all denial uh, there's no problem nothing to see here let's move on um what The narrative from the Garda Commissioner and his senior officers, who have to follow his line, let's face it, is that this was all based on perception you know it is perceived there is a feeling uh, and in criminology you would argue that academics would argue that you know like if you look, you have to study the statistics because the statistics tell us a story and okay the statistics are showing that last year year-on-year year, that uh, you know the, the the level of violence on the streets has not increased however you have to say that to the what was it? I think it was 2353 people who were assaulted and reported assaults in the city center in the first six or seven months of this year so what they're saying is that they were prepared then the minister who walked around the inner city the roughest area of town um, within a phalanx of armed detectives and uniformed Gardaí she said she felt perfectly safe the commissioner in charge of Dublin Angela Willis who was a very fine police officer by the way and destined probably to be the next commissioner um, she said it's perception and one of the interesting things she said last week was that the, the most da- that perception is actually more dangerous um, than the actual reality, you know, the perception that this is an unsafe city. Then the commissioner fed on to the, you know, the perception theory saying that it's more a feeling and a belief. And the, the, the subtext is that you and I, and the media, our colleagues of the media and the Irish Independent, whatever, are fueling this Feeling. So the question I posed in the Irish Independent on Monday was this very simple question Why, in the name of Christ, did Helen McEntee, who feels very, very safe in the city, decide to give the Garda Commissioner, who says there's no problem in the city, 10 million yo-yos or euros to create a Garda surge, to create overtime, a, 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 about 20,000 Garda overtime shifts between now and Christmas? just to make people feel safe. Why didn't they take the money and put it with other money and decide to invest that in in diversion pro- projects, sociological projects whereby you prevent or try to prevent young innocent children becoming feral thugs of, and monsters on the street, kicking trying, the heads of people for a bit of fun?
1: Trying to do both because in, in a situation where um, people feel unsafe then they don't go into the city in the same numbers yeah. fewer people in the city make it less <clears> safe <throat> because um you you have protection when when there are eyes on you everywhere where there's lots of shoppers a pack in herd of, uh, yeah like be, yeah, yeah okay. there is a kind of a herd immunity from <coughs> random violence when there's loads of you there i mean when's the most dangerous time probably in the evenings when evening and late at d- night Eri- e- it's easiest safest time is early
0: in the morning because most of the uh, the bad boys and girls are still in bed or else in cells somewhere waiting to see the judge before they're released on bail to come back out and cause more mayhem.
1: But but therefore, if you can reduce the perception of fear by having more police, Mm. even if you don't think they're necessary and the commissioner maybe feels that way, you you get more people in, you Mm. make the experience of the city a nicer one. People feel safer. Isn't that not a good thing? It ends in December the 31st.
0: So January is going to be a way hey time for the, for the, for the bad boys and girls who are being- Well, oh, you mean prevented. when the money runs out? The money's gonna run, it's only a stopgap merger. The, the, the people on the ground, by the way, the ordinary guards, the sergeants, the superintendents even, will tell you confidentially that they just don't have the resources anymore to fulfill the demands that are placed on them. They're facing enormous demands. Like nowadays, I remember years ago, an instructor in Templemore said, in years to come, this is about 20 years ago. We will be uh, teaching our staff how to deal with the public when they're telling them, listen, we can't get to you. We can't help you because we don't have the resources. And that is happening now at the moment. Like cops are overworked. I was aware of a place, there was 20 uh, incidents in Ratfarnham direction in South Dublin uh, on Sunday night, Monday morning. I am aware that as a result of these incidents, it was three burglars went around the place trying to break into people's cars. The Guardi literally, were so swamped that they couldn't send a scene the crime officer to take dabs off a car where it was clear that one of the guys wasn't wearing gloves. And the person who owned the car had to insist to the guards, listen, I have him on CCTV, he has no gloves, there's dabs. the, the, it's not the fault of the guard office. The guard officer arrived, had been over in Santry and several locations and was apologetic, extremely apologetic. So to we the need more
1: guards? Absolutely. Ben, ben I mean, by the population anyway, we should have probably uh, closer to 17,000 mm. rather than 14,000. We should have 000, been
0: doing that years ago. We shouldn't have pulled it. But Danny McCoy of Ibeck has always made a point that the state has not, the state's infrastructure has not expanded with the state and the the growth in population and as a result of that we are seeing this shortfall in services everywhere.
1: Now what do you make of the idea of uh, raising the age of entry beyond 35 uh, maybe extending the retirement age? I don't think that's going to, I think, I don't think first of
0: all taking people in at 30, 35 and 40 is going to be a good idea because first of all they're already set in their ways. Number two are they going to actually take a massive pay cut at that stage of their lives? Um, n- no, I, I, I don't see that working. In terms of retirement, Angardashie O'Connor was always seen as a vocation. And what we're seeing here, we're seeing the start of a major crisis here. And I've said it to you many times, and the evidence is mounting up all the time, but it's quietly happening behind the scenes. It's starting to manifest itself in in, in large numbers of resignations that wasn't heard of before. 15 years ago, an assistant commissioner, Martin Donlan, great guy, he actually went to the high court to on the grounds that he was being forced to retire at 60 when he had a lot more to give. And the courts and the guard's management at the behest of the Department of Justice said, no, you're no good to us, we don't want you. After 60, you're going to be replaced. At the moment, there is a whole list of people who have applied for extensions to stay on at the guards of all ranks. And Drew Harris and his Politburo up in the, what the guards called the Kremlin, by the way. <laughs> they, they, I did, it's well known in the Guard circles as the Kremlin. They are taking off the people who they like, who they don't want to see. So it's a very crude instrument. And in the end of the day, and I've always said this to, Pat, to you, Pat. In the end of the day, it's the ordinary man and woman on the street who are listening to your show, who pick up the phone and die 999, are not going to get the service they deserve. And the Guardi, I would say, feel exceptionally let down. Always in the dynamic of, of industrial relations, you will have tensions. In 30 years of looking at the cops and observing them, this is the most genuine, and uh, when do we say uh, that morale is on the floor, this is the real deal this time. And it's manifesting itself, and people are not getting the level of protection they want.
1: Paul Williams, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.